time for the Susan Taylor Podcast, where we discuss the yoga of mind, medicine, and healing. Author of Feeling Good Matters, Sexual Radiance, and the Vital Energy Program, Dr. Taylor imparts authentic knowledge and practical tools that inspire, educate, and empower us to be a healing force for positive change. So join us and take your life and our planet to the next level. Hello and welcome to episode 158, Six Essential Foods for Good Moods. Do you know that the food you eat can have just as profound an effect on your brain and your happiness and your moods, of course, as the drugs prescribed by your healthcare practitioner? In today's episode, I'd like to talk about six essential foods that really can help us with good moods but I'd like to give you an introduction and really talk about some things leading up to that. So let's get started. You know, it may seem as if making a couple of adjustments to your diet as an intervention for anxiety or depression is too good to be true. But think of it this way. Our brain is a powerful, sensitive network. It only weighs about three pounds, but it consumes nearly 20% of the calories we eat each day. Its optimal functioning depends on key nutrients that give it its building blocks and support the molecules required to back its cells, neurotransmitters, and insulating white matter. And that's why assessing our digestive function, as well as diet and nutrition, should be at the forefront when we're working with anxiety and or depression, and for that matter, any other imbalance. First, let's look at digestion. You know, your gut and your brain, you've heard me say this before, are in constant communication with each other. In fact, I wrote a whole section of that on feeling good matters in the book. I'd just like to take some things from that and just refresh your memory if you haven't read it in a while or you don't remember, etc. But I just wanted to bring these things up before I really give you those six foods. While your gut and brain are housed in different parts of your body, they actually are physically connected. And the vagus nerve, also known as the wandering nerve, well, that originates in the brainstem, and it travels all the way to the gut, connecting the gut to the central nervous system. And because the vagus nerve penetrates the gut wall, it actually plays an essential role in the digestion of our food but it also functions as a bi-directional pathway to ensure that nerve and biochemical signals can travel back and forth between the gut and the brain and the brain and the gut. And that helps carry vital information between both of those organs. This pathway is essential to our health. We all know that a healthy gut is essentially necessary for healthy mood. And why? Our gut bacteria produce hundreds of neurochemicals that the brain uses to regulate basic physiological processes, as well as mental processes such as learning, memory, and mood. Namely, the B vitamins, they've always been my favorite, as well as gut bacteria manufacture about 95% of the body supply of serotonin and other neurotransmitters, which influences both how we feel and also the GI our gastrointestinal tract activity itself. So it affects even our digestive function. Serotonin is a key chemical. You've heard of serotonin as the happy hormone. 
it's reported to be deficient in the brains of depressed and anxious people. And that also plays a major role in regulating the gut-brain axis. We know about serotonin because we've heard a lot of it publicly, as I said, the feel-good hormone. And it's with regard to the brain chemical because its role in mood and emotion and as well as many other functions, even smooth muscle activity is, you know, in the literature, in the research, you can find all of that. We also know that more than 90% of serotonin receptors are found in the gut. But no, even though there are 90% of serotonin or the, the serotonin in the gut, the gut secreted serotonin as well as other neurotransmitters that the gut has, they can't cross the blood-brain barrier. You've also heard me say that. So it's improbable that gut serotonin directly influences brain function via the bloodstream. But it's the tryptophan, which is the amino acid and the precursor to serotonin that crosses the blood-brain barrier to participate in the serotonin synthesis. So the brain makes its own. That's what I'm trying to say here. You know, tryptophan is an amino acid, and it has to be acquired in the diet along with other amino acids that actually compete for uptake and transport. And those that, you, that took my spring detox course last year, I spoke about the competitive nature about the tyrosine and, you know, and the tryptophan competing. You know, are we going to be more stimulated and awake after we eat, or are we going to be more sleepy? So let's move back to thinking about a balanced body. How do we know, you know, when our balance, when our body is really in balance? Well, when we're in balance, all these brain chemicals really ensure that the gut and brain work in unison. Any disruption from poor digestion, you know, lack of the right bacteria because of environmental toxins, synthetic medications, maybe too many supplements. All of this can affect our gut microbiome and and it affects then in turn the level of important chemicals that we need for neurotransmitter synthesis that's going to support good moods. Moods become upset if they're becoming if all of this becomes disturbed. Concentration is disrupted. Even immunity changes. It actually falters our immune function, which they call GALT. Um, it's one of them. It's lymphoid tissue that really has to do with our immune function. And 60% of that is housed in our gut. So immunity falters without this gut bacteria. The gut's protective barrier it becomes compromised and the metabolites and chemicals that should be kept out of the brain happen to reach the brain because they call it the leaky gut syndrome and it wreaks havoc through the whole system. You know, whether you're doing chemicals or synthetics of things that are in the environment, we also have stress. So stress, whether it's from diet or psychological in nature or even from disease cause gut function changes. So your diet and nutrition, that is the food that you eat and the quality of digestion I'm talking about here. The food that you feed your mind also, by the way, and the quality of digestion, both physically and mentally, they can have just as profound an effect on your brain as the drugs you take. So this chemical chaos gives rise to mood swings, and it may, may be a symptom of depression or anxiety. But what sometimes gets lost in the discussions about these issues is one simple truth. The food you eat, or I like to say, what you digest, based on the food you eat, can have just as profound an effect on your brain as the drugs you take, which I just mentioned. If normal gut bacteria are not present, production of neurotransmitters such as dopamine, serotonin, glutamate, 
and gamma aminobutyric acid, which we call GABA, 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 um, are all critically important for the regulation of mood, memory, and attention. And they're all impacted. Your brain needs the proper balance of gut bacteria, that's the point here, to make the chemicals it needs to stay stable and healthy. The gut needs your brain to be stable and healthy so that you can maintain the proper balance of gut bacteria, so it works both ways. If the cyclical relationship is disrupted for any reason, it means trouble for both the gut and the brain. So an unhealthy gut microbiome leads to an unhealthy brain and vice versa. So when we put all of this together, you see that these are extraordinary results showing that a change in your diet and nutrition has a powerful you know, change in your moods. By removing junk foods and replacing them with those that contain specific nourishing nutrients, you can actually improve your brain's overall health and function. Ultimately, you and only you have the power to decide what you'd like your brain to be made of. And in doing so, put it in a mode of growth, resilience, and happiness. The six kinds of good mood foods that I would suggest you add to your menu, there's some overlap here, are foods that are from groups that really contain important nutrients that feed the gut microbiota, reduce inflammation, and really put your brain in a nourishing mode to grow. All things that really can help with depression and anxiety in any kind of mood. Pick the foods you enjoy eating most as I speak about them and enjoy eating them. That's all I can say. The first I always like to include are the leafy greens you know, like arugula, collards, beet greens, chard, spinach, kale is my favorite, especially the lacinato. I love that. And in my book, Return to Radiance, I mentioned these in the diets that I provide for 21 days. But I always put this at the top of the list because there's these are nutrient density, just nutrient density foods if they're cooked correctly and prepared. They contain fiber, vitamin C, antioxidant chemicals that support brain cells, even vitamin A, which is linked to the brain's ability to grow and adapt. Also, one of the B vitamins, if not all in little traces, but folate, which helps supports the creation of new cells. And in my own diet, I have about one to two cups of greens, leafy greens a day, freshly prepared, meaning cooked, so that the digestion process takes place. The second I talk about is probiotics and prebiotics. And probiotics, well, they contain the bacteria that help your body and brain. And prebiotics are essentially the food for the probiotics. And again, I have more of that in, in a book, Feeling Good Matters, if you need to look it up. But why don't I give you some suggestions here? Probiotics would be like yogurt, which have active cultures, and tempeh, miso, uh, sauerkraut, kefir, kimchi, kombucha, buttermilk, and even some cheeses. Prebiotics, you have your beans and other legumes, which need to be cooked correctly. Uh, oats, bananas, berries, garlic, onions, dandelion greens even, asparagus, and leeks. Very, very good to feed your gut microbiome. The third, I say foods rich in B vitamins. You see there's some overlap here, but B vitamins are always very important, and they're my go-to for mental health. And a deficiency in like B12 and folate, they can contribute to a loss of brain cells, which is associated with depression. You know, you have B1, which is thymine, B6, which is paradoxine, 
Uh, you can also vitamin A and C all play crucial roles in brain function and mood regulation. I know there's, uh, there's many supplements that I use to support thyroid function, and many of these are in that supplement that I usually recommend. You know, you could also, there's, uh, you know, folate in legumes. We have bees, you know, B12 also. Legumes are pretty big in that for the people who like to enjoy them. We also have uh, some kind of seafood, shellfish, seeds, nuts. B vitamins are in a lot of the protein foods. We can get vitamin A out of sweet potatoes, carrots, spinach. You can get vitamin C, as I said, out of citrus, cantaloupe, strawberries, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, fresh berries, all those kinds of things. The fourth is to include foods that are rich in what I call mood minerals. Iron, magnesium, and zinc all play vital roles in proper brain function and deficiencies. You've heard me say it, and I write this in all my books, my blogs, etc. Magnesium, magnesium, magnesium. It's demonstrated for rapid recovery from major depression. In, most often in less than a week. So they are important. Iron, magnesium, and zinc. Keep them in mind. Iron-rich foods are shellfish, lean meats, uh, red meats and organ meats, uh, eggs, legumes, broccoli, spinach, even dark chocolate. And uh, I love dark chocolate. I bet it many of you do too. Magnesium-rich foods, you have avocados, bananas, dried apricots, seeds, legumes, whole grains, even some omega-3 fish like salmon and mackerel. Then we have zinc-rich foods, again, seafood, uh, especially cooked oysters, lean beef and poultry. Um, a lower amount of zinc is found in beans like chickpeas and lentils, nuts, and whole grains. The fifth include foods rich in omega-3 fatty acids. You see there's an overlap here. We all know that we can't produce our own, so we have to get it, our omega-3s from our diet. The main three omega-3 fatty acids are ALA, EPA, and DHA. So the EPA and the DHA are the omega-3s most critical in mood disorders, and you want to make sure that you get enough of them. And you get most of that from seafood, and, uh, you know, we get that. And for those that don't, there's other alternatives that you can use and you can contact me. I can help you with that. Because we do need to stimulate our nerve growth factors and dampen inflammation and omega-3s do that quite well. And, you know, seafood like this also delivers minerals like zinc, iodine, and selenium. Selenium is a really big one too. Cold water, fish, salmon, mackerel, tuna, herring, they have lots and lots of omega-3s. And uh, you could have it, get it from grass-fed beef if you eat beef. And the ALA sources, which convert, you can get them from Adam A, uh, walnuts, and chia seeds. And there's also omega-3 fortified foods like eggs, milk, and yogurt. So you don't necessarily need to be eating meat. And then I say, when you're doing any kind of preparing a food, include some herbs and spices in your cooking. In many countries, Herbs and spices are always included in the cooking, and that adds to the beneficial uh, brain supplements that really help fight off the free radicals and prevent what we call oxidative stress. And it's really great to do that and put it in your food. Like, I'll give you some ideas, some of the studies, like saffron uh, was effective in a study in 2017. 
where it was as effective as Prozac in decreasing depressive symptoms. But again, that's uh, done in animals possibly more. Uh, saffron increases the level of good mood and transmitters, glutamate and dopamine. Oregano is another good one, and it could be a neuroprotective and antidepressant, uh, you know, uh, herb. And again, it's in animal studies, so there's not really much in human studies. Turmeric, we know about that, uh, the active ingredient, curcumin, and that reduces depressive symptoms by adjusting brain chemistry and protecting the brain cells against toxic damage that leads to depression. And, you know, other mood-boosting herbs, again, I used it in the, when I wrote Return to Radiance, the 21 days, I put them in a lot of the diets or the recipes that I included herbs in there for your, to make it a little bit easier. And as I always mention, do your research, see what works for you. If any of these foods speak to you, if any of these ideas speak to you, then try them. You can write to me for further, you know, uh, contribution. I'd be more than, I'd love to hear from you actually. A couple of you have been writing to me because you've had the book asking me to do some more podcasts on foods and how foods can help with meditation. So I'll be doing that soon and all sorts of things that relate to our mood and our food. And as many of you know, that's my background and I really, really enjoy that. Combining that with meditation, wow, you're going to really have something that could help really elevate your mood and give you the confidence and the happiness as well as the balance that you know you really want out of life to really live your life's full potential. And that brings us to the end of this episode. So if you'd like to be notified weekly for new podcasts, please subscribe. And the Susan Podcast is available on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And as always, you can just go to susantaylor.org and click on the podcast to subscribe. I would love it if you'd share it with your friends, family, anybody that you think would benefit. The more in the community, the better. We have more interaction, and then I can come up with more topic and ideas to really satisfy the our whole community and get everybody interested. And thank you again for listening. The Susan Taylor podcast does come out every week. And again, questions, comments, please write in. I love to hear from you. And until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.
Hello and welcome to episode 157, Get Back Your Go, From Separation to Connection. From Separation to Connection. Hello and welcome to episode 157, Get Back Your Go, From Separation to Connection. Wow, you know, we've completed our 21 days of guided meditations for positive energy. And it was wonderful to get all your comments and your feedback. And it's giving me inspiration to go forward with more work and more programs for all of you. Uh, What I hope that you took away from the 21 days for those that took it is the strength and healthfulness of being positive. Remember, I had said that the body, mind and spirit do indeed work in conjunction with one another to give us access to that inner radiance that we're looking for. And that's our field of positive energy. For those that do want those recordings all together, you can get them at our center. Just go to susantaylor.org forward slash center and you can get it. It's one of the courses there and you'll see 21 guided meditations. Well, in today's episode, I'd like to discuss how nature heals our mind and body, how we're disconnected from our own nature, and tips that will get us back our go. Well, what happens when we lose our inspiration to create and live with positivity and fullness? What actually happens when we lose our inspiration to create and live with positivity and fullness? Well, deep down within our core, We do indeed know that we're not feeling well or not feeling like we really should. We don't have that that go, that feeling of enthusiasm. And more importantly, that feeling of health and vitality. And rightly so. We've just gone through uh, quite a turbulent time, I would say, in 2020. Also leading a little bit into 2021. So it's understandably so. Well, let's look at one of the best ways to start bringing ourselves back to feeling good. And that's what I'm going to talk about today is really stepping into nature. We know that it's good for the mind, body, and soul. You know, from indigenous adolescents, you know, completing the rites of passage in the wild to even Eastern Asian cultures taking forest baths. People have really looked at nature as a place to restore energy and enhance personal growth and really get us leading to a place of self-transformation. We need to heal and nature can really do that for us. And you know, healing implies to make whole, to come back into balance. It's what we do every day when our metabolic functions regulate to accommodate our changes that occur from moment to moment, from the foods we eat, the thoughts and feelings that we have, and the actions that we take. There's no question that we all need to heal, meaning we all need to be in balance. If you feel disturbed, distracted, or plainly stupefied, which translates into being tired, depressed, anxious, angry, regretful, and everything in between, we do need to heal. Hence, that's why I always use the word heal, the healing power of meditation, take time to heal, self-healing. Healing is a real potent word. So how does nature heal us when we're disconnected from this ancient wisdom? So then how does nature heal us? And where we have disconnected from this ancient wisdom that 
is really within ourselves. Well, first let's look at, well, first let's look at how do we disconnect? How did we disconnect? Well, remember in the 1600s, if you've read in the history books, we have Descartes, he described humans as machines. The Western world moved from a holistic to a reductionist model, starting to direct science towards studying individual parts disconnected from all other fields. We've seen that in medicine through the several, several decades. And we created a world of separation from our whole self leading to what we now see the root cause of all our suffering. Take a look at our economy, for example, driven by maximization of profit at any expense, meaning that not taking a look at what these profits cost us in our health, our longevity, and the whole planet's health in waste, pollution, biome loss, plant and animal devastation. We've lost our sense of accountability. We've even disconnected from what our actions produce. And the consequences are felt more and more clearly as we enter present day where we are now. Our technology habits are also separating us from our true nature. You can't embody knowledge from an app. You could embody, you don't embody anything actually, but you can just get information. So with this separation that we've established, we've lost our wisdom. And then I'll just define wisdom. What is this wisdom that I'm talking about? Well, wisdom comes when we're connected to our inner realm and where awareness arises. That's what I mean when I say return to radiance. It's where we're present and experience, as I said, that radiance, that light. And for meditators, that light does come after practice over time. Wisdom is not the same as information or intelligence. You can't get it from reading a book or going to a lecture, and that's for sure. We can learn how to operate a cell phone or a web app by reading a manual, but with anything related to the arts, music, dance, and of course meditation, you have to have the experience to access those inner depths of your own being. What we're finding now is that people read a manual and then try to embody the information, and in some cases even teach, we see that. And it doesn't work. Information is only information. Experience is what gives us the knowledge. And that pure knowledge arises from the experience, which develops into wisdom. Wisdom comes from within, and it can't be duplicated. It's that simple. So how do we reconnect to this place where we connect to our wisdom, where our inner awareness arises? Well, I always say meditation, of course, but I'm trying to make this more universal. And that's where I'd like to talk. That's where nature comes in. No one can argue that a walk on the beach or a mountain range or even a walk in the park is not rejuvenating. In fact, research has documented the positive impacts of nature on humans thriving in all aspects of life. Many studies have even shown that being in nature living near nature, viewing nature in paintings, out your window, on videos, has a positive impact on the brain, the body, our feelings, our thought processes, even our social interactions. In particular, viewing nature seems to be inherently rewarding. It produces a whole cascade of emotions, positive emotions. 
positioning these emotions and calming our nervous system. So it goes into that positive uh, vortal, I like to say. These in turn help us cultivate greater awareness, connection, and even resilience. We become wisdom-oriented, not information-oriented. So what I'm saying here is science has taken note that some human beings seek out nature knowing that it's good for our mental, social, emotional, and overall and personal well-being. Our current status, we find that many people are disconnected from nature, which is reflected in the disconnect from our own self. It's a huge handicap for kids. You see these children not in touch. They're in touch with their apps or their iPhones, but they're not in touch with the natural world. And that applies to every living being. And a handicap for anyone for that matter, if we're not in nature or have some form of nature. And I'm going to talk about tips to get us back into nature, even if you're living in the middle of a city. Going back to nature and connecting with nature can keep your mind happy and positive while helping you stay connected to yourself. Nature helps us awaken that connectiveness that we have into our own nature and our own spirit. Nature helps us awaken the connectedness we have with our nature and our spirit. And especially, again, I'm going to emphasize at the present time, it's vitally important to connect and deepen connection with nature. We want to be rooted in life like plants in nature. We want to flow through life like those that live in the sea, soar through life like those that like to take flight, and illuminate ourselves with the brightness of the sun's fire and light. These are all from nature. Nature is a reflection of ourselves. We use practices and until they become second nature, it's a natural way of being in nature. So we use these practices to connect us to all of those uh, emotional feelings that we have or sensory experiences, but also connecting to that deep deepness within ourselves. On the spiritual path, it's really to sense the radiance or perhaps what we can term the aliveness that we have within ourselves. That's the beginning of the invisible presence of who you are. And that's inseparable from everything else. It's, it's on the spiritual path, it's really to sense the radiance or perhaps we can term it the aliveness within. That is the beginning of the invisible presence of who you are that is inseparable from who you are. So here are some tips to reconnect with yourself by being in nature on a daily basis. If you have a pet, you know, spend a few minutes, if not more, each day being totally with him or her, not on your phone or talking while you're petting the animal or showing attention or thinking about something else. I see people walking their dogs and they're on a cell phone. No, be with your, your pet, your animal while you're engaged. Just connect. Second, if you have a plant or if you don't, maybe you should get one or maybe two. I like plants to be together. I have uh, lots of plants. I, I love the succulents. So I have many jades and many aloe plants. And I always put them together with each other because they like the company of each other. And there's much research on the energetics of plants. I won't get into that now, but they do grow better when attended to when you give them your attention. 
Their leaves become shiny, they become bright, and they grow. They grow very, very, uh, very, very well. They thrive just with a little bit of attention and talking to you each day. The third is go out into nature, not your yard. The third is go out in nature. It could be your backyard, a park, anywhere you could take in the sensory experience of what I talked about, the colors of the trees, the colors of the grass, the colors of the snow, if there's a lot of snow or lack of color. But there's always that dynamic of the colors with the reflections that we get and that are very, very good for the mind. Don't tap into music or anything other than the environment itself. I live by the ocean, for example, and I go just to hear the waves on some days and the stillness on other days when there's no swell. So the key is here to just be present. Even looking out the window is fine for those that can't go out. Just bringing in the beauty of the sky, for example, would be going into nature when you're fully present. And the fourth, and how we do become present, be aware of your breath and the one who's doing the breathing. For many of you, the feedback on the meditations was related to the calming breath. Everyone became very calm. And just bringing your breath, breathing in when you're in nature, breathing in to nature and let nature breathe into you is a very, very wonderful you know, practice to do. Just spend a little bit of time doing one of these each day, if not all, and see what happens. See if anything shifts for you. I'm just going to make a mention here for those that wanted the guided meditations for positive energy for your own library. I created a playlist on susantaylor.org and you can go right to the center. And for a small donation to support the efforts, you can actually get all 21 of them so that they're there when you want to listen to them. If you haven't done so already, you may want to look at my book and that will help put things together in a very systematic way to return into that positivity that we all need. It really serves as a program for the moment and where we need movement, breath, and it also includes 21 days of menus for a radiant mind. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you'd like to be notified weekly for new podcasts, please subscribe. The Susan Taylor Podcast is available on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and also susantaylor.org, where you can click on the podcast to subscribe. Contact us at susantaylor.org if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. And thanks so much again for listening. The Susan Taylor Podcast does come out every week. And again, questions, comments, something you might want to hear, just contact us. And until next time, remain calm.